Hey, welcome to the Eyes on Jesus podcast. I'm so glad you're here. We are a member of the Edify Podcast Network, as always, full of great Christian content creators. So download the Edify app today. If you enjoy not only this podcast, but any of the content I put out from my books to my blogs to my websites to my Uversion Bible plans and my social media postings, all that stuff takes a lot of work and time. And so I would greatly appreciate it if you come alongside of me and support what I'm doing. The best way to support me right now is through Faithful, faithful.place. It is a new social media site for Christian content creators. So you have the option to get free content on there, and you can also partner with me for as little as $5 a month and get exclusive content on there as well. I have links in the show notes to Faithful, and I also have a Patreon account if you prefer to support me on there. I'm excited for my conversation with Cody Bobet. He has an amazing heart for God, for men, for fitness, and now for movies. And just a side note, I was struggling at the time of this conversation with COVID. I was just coming out of it a few months ago, and so my voice is not up to snuff, so just keep that in mind as you're listening. But without further ado, let's get to the interview. Welcome to the podcast. This show is about you and your walk with Jesus as we grow in discernment together so that we can make better daily decisions that honor God in all we do. We will align all things against the Bible and give you practical steps to run your Christian race to win. And now your host, the discerning dad, Tim Ferrara. My guest today is Cody Bobet. Cody is an actor, an author, and CEO of Gibberum Studios. Cody and his wife, Haley, and their two kids live in Utah. In 2016, Cody and his wife started SoulCon, which became one of the fastest growing men's movements in the world. Cody, welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Tim. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here, man. I am. I'm great. Looking forward to this podcast. Yeah, you know, I've I've been following your stuff for a few years, and I recently heard you on Sean Bull's podcast, which he's a friend of the show. And so I really loved what you had to say about your testimony and your story and kind of your pursuit of hearing God and then being obedient to that voice and what the the fruit of that has been in your life. If you just want to let everyone know a little bit more about yourself, kind of your your little bit about your story, how you came to know Christ, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I would love to. And I, I love Sean. I just talked with him uh, this last week. I had him on our podcast and talked mm. about his new book. And it was really good. It's really good. Um, yes, I, I love him. I just so, read it. <laughs> wow. Super, super powerful, really anointed and took a lot of courage. So so thank you. My, my Just a little bit about me. Uh, my, my background, I'm 36 years old. I got saved when I was 18. I, I joined the military before I was saved because I wanted to be a good person. I wanted to get out of the lifestyle that I was in. When I was 13 years old, I fell into the partying lifestyle really heavily. And, you know, I I just kept thinking that the next high, the next party, the next fight, the next thrill is going to satiate my soul. And Tim, it just completely left me broken. And, um, you know, I think, man, if I could just do this lust, I'd be satisfied. And I didn't know it was a lust then, but I, I just thought it was the fulfillment of life. If a man has, you know, all these things, then he's gonna be happy. And from that journey from 13 to 18, I, I found out that I just wanted to be a good person. Yeah. And I hated who I'd become because I, I wanted to be a good person, but I was treating girls terribly with disrespect. and man, I was, I was, I'd go do things that I never wanted to do at the 8am, 9am hour. I'd find myself at 2am doing things that I never intended to do. And I was out of control and I wanted to be good, but I had no moral compass. So I joined the military to say, this is going to square me away and make me a guy that can actually use my skill set to be a good person. 
So I, I joined the military with the mentality. It was very simple. I just wanted to be special forces and I wanted to get paid to do what I knew how to do, which was be athletic and fight. And um, God had a different plan, which was uh, really cool because I eventually didn't go the special forces route. I went the Naval Air Crewman route and and got selected for one of my favorite programs. And I got to serve with some of the best people out of Tinker Air Force Base in Oklahoma. But it, my journey into the boot camp, I was like, man, I'm going to be a good person. And I go into boot camp and I fall right back into the lifestyle, even in boot camp that I was living. And it's like, how do you find a way to do that even in boot camp? And man, I just, it, it, God is faithful. He's sovereign over situations and yeah. he'll allow us to say, hey, you're going to try to be good without me and you're going to fail. And, and Matt Chandler says something I love that God loves you enough to break you completely. And what, what was happening in my life was complete brokenness. I go through boot camp. I excel during that time. And um, I, I go into my A school and A school is the next um, schooling process in the military before you go off to your, your career. And I was, I found myself in Panama city, Pensacola, uh, Panama city, Florida, I was stationed in Pensacola, Florida. I'd go to Panama and we do everything you can think of partying. I mean, it's, it's spring break, 2003. We're all anywhere from 18 to 25 years old and no moral compass whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, so we, we do that and we come back and I, I'll never forget the feeling. I've never felt more thirsty for good in my life. Uh, I was, I was done. I had so much fear and so much weight on me. Uh, it was, it was Tuesday. It was March 23rd, 2003. Uh, sorry, March 23rd, 2004. It was 2004. March 23rd, 2004. I got on my knees and I said, I opened my Bible. I said, God, if you're real, I'm in. Mm. I didn't know there was two Testaments. I I didn't know there was 66 (laughs) books. I, I had no concept um, other than my, my mom growing up, uh, my, my dad had full custody, but I'd go on visitation and she'd take me to churches. But a lot of times I'd be high or just looking for girls. And um, I thought Christians were super nerdy, so I didn't pay attention. But so I, I subconsciously was hearing the pastors teach. And, you know, I, so that's yeah. the only Bible knowledge I had. But I opened my Bible and I experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit. I get saved. And and in that moment, I, I know God's real. I'm completely... I know, theologically, I had no idea what just happened. I completely encounter the Holy Spirit. And I know my entire destiny just got changed. It wasn't a prayer, Tim, of God, I don't want to go to hell. It was I, I I can't find good. I want to be a good person. Like, and and it wasn't a resume exchange. I had nothing to offer. I was just on my knees broken. And I just Mm -hmm. cried out to say, if you're real, I'm in the only thing I'm good at. And I remember this, this is the conversation I had. The only thing I'm good at is picking a fight. I remember seeing Braveheart and I'm like, oh, William Wallace is awesome. But like, I'm not really good at finishing fights unless I have the right people with me, but I'm really good at picking a fight. So I was like, <laughs> I could, I, I, like, I'm good at that. So I, I can do that. And he saves me. My entire life changes from that point. And um, I, I come from a partying lifestyle. Literally, it's it's springtime in Pensacola where girls are in G-strings everywhere on the beach. And I'm like, I'm, I am a f- testosterone-filled male with a lot of questions at this point. I, I encountered the Holy Spirit, know nothing about the Bible, so I start to ask guys, "Hey, what do like? Tell me about masturbation. Like, is it, what's the Bible say about it?" And guys would tell me, "Like, hey, don't, don't, don't spill your seed on the ground." And I, my question it was honest, Tim. It was like, "Well, do you put it in a sock? Like, well, if, if the ground is sinful?" Mm-hmm. And I get these questions of like, "Hey, I'm going to talk to you about things that men talk about." 
Right. And, and I wouldn't get the, the discipleship conversation of, Hey, this is, this is what the Bible says, but it doesn't really talk too much about this head on, but I'm going to tell you about how do you walk through some of these gray areas and be a man that loves the Lord and walks in righteousness. Mm. So I saw that process and I saw it from my side of, um, what, it's so sad what happened with Bill Hybels still one of my favorite books was written during that time that he was walking through, uh, living in, not walking, I mean, living in courageous leadership is still one of my favorite books. And he said, you, you know, the, the holy discontentment, you find that holy discontentment, that's part of your calling. So if guys are like, what am I on this earth for? When you find that thing that just drives you inside of you, that you, you feel like you're here to solve. It's a, it's a litmus test to say that's part of your calling. So that's how I, I, I tell guys a lot. Put a 60-second shot clock on and think through, if you die, what would you regret not doing? And write mm-hmm. the first three things down. And, mm-hmm. and typically, your calling is found in there. Uh, so I, I, I saw that. I, I started to go through things. And I, I read Every Man's Battle. I did a, um, a discipleship group with a group of guys going through Wild at Heart, which incredible. And yeah. I... I I start to learn what it is to be a man of God. And I, I take the time during that time to read the Bible cover to cover because I was mm. tired of not knowing. And the first time I did that, I was, uh, it took me four months because I, you're in the military. You don't have a lot of like, once you're done, it's not like now as dads where it's like your, your real work day begins once your work day, like once you're done right. in the military, you're done for the day. You can go work out. You can hang out. So I had a ton of time to read. So people, I'd n- never be impressed that I read the Bible in, in four months. I just needed to know, like, what what is this? Like, w- what does God say? And yeah. I, I finished reading the chapter 11 of the book of Joshua, and I stepped back, and I felt accepted for masculinity. And that's when my entire course of my, like, I understood my vision a little bit to say, man, this this guy, Joshua was chosen by the Lord to do incredible. Like this is, this book was better in the first 11 chapters. I'll never forget thinking this book was better than Braveheart and Troy and Gladiator all in <laughs> one. And people told me my whole life that the Bible's boring and Christians are lame. And that, you know, that I, that's the narrative that the enemy worked into my head to get me to believe. Yeah. And I remember thinking, this is the most captivating thing I've ever read. And that's what I fell in love with it. And so from that point uh, in my life, that's when the trajectory changed to war for the masculine soul and to commit that someday I'll make films based on Old Testament warriors. Mm-hmm. So you knew that way back then. And then, so t- what was the transition like from the military, which thank you for your service. I, I did, when did you meet thank your you wife and when did you start like SoulCon and that kind of stuff? Yeah. So I, I met my wife, cool, cool mile marker six years ago, yesterday, my book SoulCon challenge released. And, um, just really encouragement to guys. It was the most discouraging day in my life. I'll talk about my wife after this, but I, I want guys to hear this. Um, I I faithfully wrote a book that I thought would impact and change men and put my blood, sweat, and tears and 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 you know just hours and hours. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of hours in writing. Yeah. Five and a half years it took me to write this book, and I released and seventeen copies sold in the first day, and it was the hardest day of my life. I remember crying that night. My wife goes to bed. I have two kids thinking, did I just waste all of that time where I could have been working and earning money for my family? And, you know, I was, I was, I was working and earning and God was using me to provide, but I'm stewarding in his providence. But I'm thinking, could I have worked more to make more money for them during that time of writing the book? And and I I never forget the next morning I prayed and God just said, just, just keep going. Mm. That's all I heard. And, and, you know, yesterday that, um, as of yesterday, that book sold over 160,000 copies and, um, wow 
has, has, has changed the lives of tons of men with how they view carrying their cross daily. So just to encourage every guy out there, if you're facing discouraging times, keep your eyes on the Lord and listen to him. And, and if he tells you to keep going, don't give up. I'm not the guy that says, don't ever give up. Cause sometimes we have to know when to fold them, right? Yeah. Well, exactly. but the Lord knows if he says, keep going, you don't give up when he's leading you. During the time of the military, I had three years left. We got married. I got married to my wife with three years remaining in the military. I did six years in the military. And when I got saved, I asked the Lord, I, I literally shaved my head. I, I was like fasting. I'm not going to date a girl or talk to a girl until you bring me my wife, God. That was my mm. request. Yeah. And thank God he answered it. Um, and the first girl that I dated ended up being my wife. And so we've, uh, we met with three years left. We've been married for a little over 15 years now Awesome. and she's transitioned with me this whole time. So I, I went from the military to telling people in the military at a successful career, which I'm really thankful for. God's favor was on me, but I told people what I was going to do and getting out of the military. And I would have gave the same advice to myself if I saw a successful, you know, at that point I was 24 years old. You, you don't, I did not have a college degree at that time. And I'm yeah. saying, hey, I'm going to go write books and speak to men all around the world and, and change a part of Christian culture. And guys are like, okay, cool. So how are you going to make money? Like, what about insurance? It's like, man, I feel like God's calling me to do that. So I'm going to step out and do that. And, yeah. and that's what we did. So we stepped out of the military literally with nothing. And within, we had 10 days left before all my military pay went away and an opportunity opened. And within three days from that pay kicking over, we stepped into, I did corporate wellness for seven years. And during my time in corporate wellness, that's where I, I authored my, my books. I, we I finished all the way through my graduate program and I was refined in my character to say, and my, my family to say, God, I'm ready for this, this calling. And mm. that, then six years ago, SoulCon releases and starts a part of a movement inside of the body of Christ for men to understand what it is to steward your body like an ultimate soldier for King Jesus and his army and not mm. like strict in some areas, but lust filled in other areas. It's, sure. it's, it's, it's total excellence and it's by grace. It's total excellence. It's not by effort. It's total excellence. It's by grace. Then you have the effort. And it's, you know, I tell guys all the time, if, if I tell my wife, Hey baby, I love you, but I'm looking at pornography every night and I'm flirting with other girls. My actions don't line up with that. But if I genuinely love my wife, like Christ loved the church, I want to have my actions line up with that. Right. So that's what we line. That's what we did. That's really cool. And I know it was a movement because I remember when I saw on Facebook, just about every man I came across had a SoulCon thing on their picture. That's and cool. I kept seeing it over and over and I kept getting more friend requests and I kept joining other groups and I kept seeing that. And then I started looking into this. What is the SoulCon thing? And it, it was definitely a huge movement and, and, and still is uh, leaving a lasting impact upon men. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. With this season of the podcast, and you kind of touched on it is, having discernment with our actions that leads to a roadblock on the path, meaning that you're on the right path, but you still have to persevere through something that seems like you made the wrong decision. And I never, I talk about discernment all the time and I never wanted to make it seem like 
just because just if you make the right decision, then it's going to be easy. You won't have any problems because that's not how it works either. And like you said, sometimes you do have to get back on the right path, but I'm talking more about a time you made a decision and then you just had to persevere through it. Would you say that Solcon was that, or can you think of another one that might be relevant to that scenario? Yeah, yeah. Solcon was that of, you know, I, I, you see the memes on social media, all these things that, that God calls tough men to do tough things. And, and there's that nature inside of us to say the thing biblically, you can look throughout the whole Bible to say, when God calls somebody, he doesn't give them this like retirement, kick your feet up and chill. And it's a life of comfort and ease. Mm -hmm. He calls you into the war zone and understanding there will be a peacetime eventually, but we are at war until we die. And, and hopefully we maximize every moment of that. So SoulCon for me was that first day I sold 17 copies. The next morning I had to tell people, cause everybody's like, um, man, how, how did the launch go? Cause I mean, I risked a lot at that point. I had one yeah. of the biggest publishers in the country make an offer if I would make it for men and women. And this, this guy told me that, uh, you know, Solcon um, uh, helped save his life when he fought through prostate cancer years later, he wrote about it in his magazine and super grateful, but I had a decision. I was like, I risked everything to get here because I feel like the Lord led me here. And I had the worst launch of my entire career. And it was a nightmare. So the next morning you have to wake up in vulnerability and say, okay, Lord, I'll persevere. And I I took speaking engagements, Tim, you know, this, like you show up to a speaking engagement and they're, man, it's their annual men's retreat or gathering. And you have a message to light up people and yeah. you have a dad and two sons and then the cook. And it's like, you literally have four people, <laughs> uh, two of them are kids. Uh, and, and you just weekend after weekend doing that, flying across the country and speaking at men's events for churches where I'm talking to 25, 40 men most of the time. And I'm visualizing mm-hmm. in my head, I believe I'm supposed to do this period, but I want to impact hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, and it was, uh, there was multiple times where I'd fly back and think all that work, all that time away from my family. I felt like I was, uh, I was studying it before the Lord. God, I hope you multiply my offering. Mm. Like I hope you multiply, multiply. And I had to persevere. And it wasn't until it was about two years later, I spoke at a men's conference with 3,500 people. Um, and I was a keynote. They, I mean, like, it was really funny. The guy that was over it, took a risk on me. There was five pastors that came against it just because the message I teach is just very raw and vulnerable. If you're, if you have a, a, an evil religious mind, it's really uncomfortable, Mm. Um, but they tried to stop it and they didn't. And that's when the virality happened for a movement started. It was two years later and it felt like an eternity upon eternity. So I saw God's favor there that we had two videos from that go viral and then we, we started selling books and I was able to make a career out of it. Mm, that's really good. And a lot of times through that roadblock process comes equipping, comes training, comes perseverance on our part to show God that we're really in it. And a lot of times he puts that in our path so that he can get us ready for more because especially nowadays, everybody wants a platform. Everybody wants to, you know, share yep. their message with thousands and thousands of people, but you can't get ready for that unless you can do it with five and 10 and 20 people. And uh, I found that in my life where, you know, I felt called to full-time ministry, but God was really working on me for about two, three years while I'm still in corporate America, wanting to get out of there desperately. But 
I didn't see that until now that it was a training process to get to where I am today. Uh, yes. And that, and, and so I think that's encouragement for anyone listening. If God's put something on your heart, just keep, keep pursuing it, keep pushing forward, listen to him, keep your eyes on him every day, because that's really where our direction comes from. If he wants you to pivot, then pivot. If he wants you to keep pursuing it, then keep pursuing it. And that's why I wrote my devotional eyes on Jesus, because it's so important that with the world of distractions that we do keep our eyes on Jesus every day. And so that's why I want to ask you is what do you do every day? Just some practical tips that you do to help you keep your eyes on Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually just made a vlog about this, that we're going to have a vlog released for Cody Bobe, just kind of that lifestyle, but it's, it's really important. I'm really passionate about this tip. Um, I am, my, my day is driven by my priorities and not by a schedule. So I, I make a schedule to serve my priorities. I don't make a a schedule to run my life. Mm. So there are things that I anchor down every morning that no matter what time zone, one of my top priorities, I, I talked to Dr. Kenneth Cooper about this, the guy that created the word aerobics, went to a Bible study together after I got my second certification through his institute. And we went to a Bible study and I was sitting there with the guy that has changed more lives for health and fitness than anybody that's walked the face of the earth. He's like 88 at the time. Mm -hmm. We're sitting there talking. He's having coffee. He hates coffee, but he drinks a half cup every morning because it's good for your brain. Mm -hmm. All of his science, but he hates it. And I love coffee. So I'm sitting there, you know, we're talking and he said, man, if we could just get people to sleep, we could increase their willpower. So one of the priorities I have is making sure that I get seven and a half hours of sleep, no matter what time zone I'm in. Now I do have two kids and you know wife and a brain that deals with anxiety, processing, planning, and can wake me up in the middle of the night. But I, I scheduled my priorities to say, I want to be rested and I want to work my day from rest. Yeah. not for rest. And, you know, with little kids in the house, sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes you're working for rest, but you want to try right. to work, you know, the, the new Testament mindset of working from the Sabbath and not sure. for a Sabbath. So every single day I wake up the first 30 minutes of my day, the first 30 minutes, first 15 minutes, I'm reading the Bible. I like to read through the Bible every year. It's a, it's a great anchoring point for me because when I first wake up, I don't feel like having a, a supernatural experience with the Lord. <laughs> I need a cup of coffee and I need the stretching routine of reading the word and getting my mind in. Then the next 15 minutes, sometimes it, sometimes it goes longer. Sometimes it goes to 60 minutes, but every day of my life, 30 minutes, that's what it's. I, I listen to the Lord. I meditate. I pray. And Smith Wigglesworth said something that I love that, uh, he never spends longer than 15 minutes praying, but he never goes 15 minutes without praying. And it's a, it's a mentality that I've, mm. I've, I've come in that prayer has to be an anchor point for your day yeah. or you're going to miss miraculous moments. So th- those are things that I do. Um, I, I make sure I discipline my body six days a week. I let myself feast one day a week and allow rest and comfort to happen. But I never, um, I, I'm just not the guy that longs for vacations. I love the mission that God has assigned me to. I long, I, I, I know one day, Tim, we're going to look back from heaven and miss the days of battle that we're in and we don't value them enough. Mm. Me personally, I know that. So that's, those are, the, those are real anchor points. I steward my body to make sure it's working for me and not against me. And then, you know, I have practical systems. I want every guy to know this. My, my wife knows uh, my past and I can't, I have my phone here for everybody watching the video. I literally can't even look at news articles on this to click them. I actually, (laughs) I get so detailed of this is a content machine for the kingdom. I do not want any pornography to come through this because a a horny man, we know this through through science, makes stupid decisions. Your, Your brain no longer sober. Which if that's with your wife, man, praise God. That, that That's a great area. But 
we have a, a world that's warring against us. So I live in a high level of security all the time. And I understand I, I flew missions over Baghdad. I understand that we are at war and we're not, this is not our home. If you live in America, uh, you are not American. Mm. You are of the kingdom. And you have to understand if, if me and Tim, if we're walking around Baghdad, when I'm flying missions over it in 2006, 2007, 2008, that, that time, me and you just wouldn't walk around having, hugging everybody and, you know, just haphazardly going through, we'd be watching out for IEDs, watching out for snipers. We, we'd have this level of heightened security and we need that in our everyday life. Mm, that's really good. And you talk to anybody that knows something about fitness, they know that physical fitness does not just happen. You have to have routines. You have to be regimented. You have to know what your goals are in order to achieve them. And the same thing goes with our spiritual fitness. Like you're saying, you have to know exactly where you want to go, where, what you want to get to. For example, if you want to read the Bible in a year, you can't just, you know, pick a, pick a chapter here and there, read it every other five days. You know, you have to be regimented in order to get through that goal. And I think as Christians, we often feel like, yeah, I want a great uh, prayer life. And but then what happens is when something comes up that we want God to help us with, then we pray or yep. a convenient lifestyle to fit our needs instead of I'm going to put in the work now so that when the problem does come, I'm ready for it. I've already built up my prayer life. I already know the Bible in me. I've read it and I've got it inside me. So now the Holy Spirit can quicken it to me when I need it. And I think there's so much wisdom in doing things that you know are good for you uh, because you know I've thought about this quote a lot lately is that if you do the same thing you've always done, you're going to get the same result you've always gotten. And so if you haven't had a prayer life for 10 years, there's a reason you don't. It's because you're not putting in the, the work. You don't have a mentor. You don't uh, do what is hard to do. Uh, and then you're not going to see the fruit of it in day one, probably, but you will see it over time when you look back and you see that your faithfulness has led you down a path where you now are more equipped. And oh, so Tim, that's so good, man. I, I, I just have to jump in there. Yeah. I want, I want, I want guys to hear too. I, I just, the Lord just took me through a journey this last week where I was finding my identity in my disciplines and my focus and my routine mm. rather than my identity in intimacy with him. Wow. And one of the things Sean says in his new book, I want every guy to read it. It's called Encounter, but I, I just loved it so much that I texted him. I was like, dude, I got to have you on my podcast because this is what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> But he literally, uh, I was like, I'm just going to read the whole book before I talk with him. And I got 30 pages in. I was like, this is going to take me two years to read, Sean. But, I, but the thing that Solomon asked God for was that intimacy, not just Sunday school wisdom. And I love that's, that's a direct quote from the book. Yeah. It's that intimacy. And I was finding, I was finding that I got, you know, I'm, I'm the CEO of a company and we're, we're growing and we, we have so many things going on. I'm an actor and we're getting ready for our series. And um, to, to compete with some of the greatest out there in Hollywood. And we have so many things. I was losing focus. And, and I, I really, guy, I love that quote. If, if you, if you want to go to a different level, you've got to change some routines. You've got to change what you're doing. And I was finding my identity in some productivity um, in mm. data, in, in numbers and in advancement and in, in meetings. And man, I just want every guy to know that that is that's a war we fight, and I, Paul said that he fought it. Um, we can't find identity in good works in the flesh. Yeah, we have to find our identity in Christ. So I'm glad that you shared that because it's something I'm just very vulnerably and rawly walking through now. Yeah. And I've loved Jesus passionately since I was 18 years old, uh, since I met Him. But there's man, there's there's landmines, there's IEDs around us constantly. Uh, I, I read John Mark Comer's book, Live No mm -hmm. Lies. Great yes, book. I'm reading that now. 
Oh, so cool. I, I love that. Oh, it's such a good book. And he had made a statement. If the devil died today, you would still sin tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that was, that really just kind of blew my mind of like, oh, we actually are. Yes. We deal with spiritual warfare. Yes. Yeah. And we also deal with that. We actually like sin and, yeah. and that's hard to admit. And uh, cause man, I, I like a Krispy Kreme donut over broccoli. Like uh, you give me Brussels sprouts and a chicken breast, or you give me a a massive fat ribeye with butter covering it and a bowl of ice cream after I'd rather pick that, Uh, but that's going to kill me if I lose control with it. Right. Yeah. And and I love ribeyes. I want every guys to know I love ribeyes. (laughs) That's so funny. That's good. And just going back to biblical masculinity, what are some key things that you would say that either needs to be clarified during this generation? Because I feel like, especially in the last three, five years, you know, it's been so much of a demasculization from thinking. And I hear comments all the time of the Bible is written by by men that were just interested in power and, you know, all these horrible comments that people have about the Bible and about biblical manhood. What are just maybe a couple things that you share with men as far as like, no, that's not, that's not what it is. This is what we need to focus on. Yeah, no, man, I, that's such a great question because masculinity, when I realized that it's magnificent and it's created by God, it changed, it changed my daily operation. Yeah. It made me, I really believe when you understand the magnificence of masculinity, you don't hide in shame when you fail. And, and man, like God created me to be full of testosterone, praise God for testosterone, praise God that he's made me a driven person and every guy, just a driven person, praise God that we are attracted to women. Uh, I'm I'm thankful that God took Adam and said, you know what, this, this is incomplete. I'm going to make you. And it's like, man, I can't imagine Adam's moment of like, holy cow, that's what you made. Uh, Cause I love, I love women. I, I love my, my wife so much. And I, I think we, when we say masculinity, because we're telling stories from Old Testament warriors, we like our proof of concept for hold the past film, the Shamgar that defends his family, we show violence. And the same thing that I would do if somebody was threatening to rape my wife and kill my kids, I would sure. ruthlessly kill them. I don't, I don't care. I would stop them. I would stand mm. in the way and make sure that they were dead and that there was one story and it yeah. was safety for my family and you're eliminated. So I, that's the type of storytelling we see. And we see it through the Bible, but we never see a perfect picture of masculinity until every story comes to its climax when Jesus comes on the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole Bible from the start to no matter if you're reading it chronologically, the whole thing depends on this Messiah coming and his name is Jesus. And we see the perfect picture of masculinity. And, and I, I struggle constantly. It was about, a, I guess a year ago, my, my daughter asked me, I have a son that's 10 and a half and a daughter that's nine. And she said, daddy, I, I've never seen you cry before. Mm. And I'm like, Oh, you know, like we have to fight through the brokenness um, because of my past and my upbringing. Um, you know, the toxic masculinity says men don't cry. Right. And that's not the gospel. Jesus is the perfect picture of masculinity. He made women feel safe. Even a woman that was just caught in adultery. I've asked the Lord before and got the most profound answer of my life. I want to share with you guys. I asked, I meditated and said, Jesus, how were you not sinning when a prostitute was washing your feet with her hair? Very genuine question. Like to be a prostitute at that time, you had to be very good looking. It wasn't, it was a higher career, you know? So this is a very attractive professional washing your feet with her hair. And I just sat there and I said, Lord, how did you not, how did you not sin? 
Mm. And I heard him say, if it was your daughter, you wouldn't sin either. Mm. And, it, and it changed my perspective of my relationship with the Lord wow. to say, man, if we viewed everybody other than our wife, because our wife, we get to th- think awesome and sexual and, oh, and, and God honoring with, with that. And that's a gift from the Lord. But every everybody else that we encounter, it's not, we don't have free reign to think sexually with. And yeah. they should feel safe and protected around us. And Jesus was the epitome. He was the climax of the story with that. Mm. That's such a good reminder. If someone listening is struggling with lust to think about the the person that you're idolizing on the other side of that screen as God's daughter. And uh, what a good reminder. And I think that would stop the problem if we had that mindset. So you talked about your latest film, Hold the Past, about Shamgar, and you have more films coming up. I think you're going to play Caleb. Did I hear that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So really fired up about this one. This is the Gaborum series and we're um, in development right now. God willing, we're going to film, I hope, I hope and pray. And this story is of Caleb and the younger years of him and the older years. So there's two stories running at the same time. Mm. Incredible actors that have committed. Oh my gosh, it's so cool <laughs> to see how the power of storytelling draws in people that don't, that are just incredible actors that don't know the Lord, don't know the Bible, but just feel drawn to it. It's it's going to be something that's going to shift popular culture in a really cool way. Mm. Um, so so taking that understanding and saying we're going to tell the story of one of the grittiest, coolest stories of the Bible, where Caleb comes to Joshua and says, "Hey, I'm 85. I'm stronger now than I've ever been." I'm going to, I'm ready for my inheritance. And Joshua's like, cool, man, pick whatever you want. He's like, I want Hebron. And the Bible says it's the only land in the promised land still full of giants. What an alpha statement. <laughs> I hope and pray that's my heart and life when I'm 85. I hope I've engaged in spiritual battle to win souls to Christ until I'm breathing my last breath. Mm. So Caleb sits down with Othniel and he tells the backstory of how he, um, where he came from, which the Bible, you cannot exegete effectively where he came from. We know um, his dad was Jephana and we know that he was a Kenizzite, but that's really broad in what it is. So we're actually telling a story that he, it's kind of like my testimony. He just wants to be a good person and become um, a good person and a warrior in Egypt. So you actually get the storytelling of the Egyptian process, but you, uh, my character is an Egyptian hmm. and, and I become an Egyptian. I become this, this gets uh, humanized as Pharaoh. It, you feel the terror of what those magicians really were. And you're, you're going to watch this. It's going to be mature rated. We're making it for the masculine soul. We're not going to make you stumble with sex, uh, but it will be the storytelling of you're going to feel fear of the magicians. When you watch this, it's going to feel like a horror movie. When you mm-hmm. see those magicians to give context of what happens when Moses and Aaron go before Pharaoh and the magicians come out. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's the storytelling season one. It is just going to be so cool. So my, I'm training, I'm getting my body ready for that. Um, I'm getting my mind and heart ready for that before the Lord. Uh, but this is uh, when I played Shamgar, I was big farmer swinging an ox goat. I cannot believe in the Bible that he killed uh, 600 people with an, a farming tool. That's about six <laughs> feet tall. And, and, you know, with that film, we worked with some of the best, um, our, our second unit director and the guy that I, I snap his neck and break him, um, in the Ogden river, literally it was 15 degrees outside. And I, I thought I was, I thought he was going to freeze to death. Mm. Um, you know, he was captain America's stunt double in civil war, um, and worked with, he's worked with Marvel. He's just won the award for one of the top stuntmen in Canada and, mm. uh, worked with, you know, he's worked with some of the greatest out there and, um, he, he, he brings this passion and intensity. He's going to be, we've choreographed all of our fight scenes for this series. And let me tell you, if you like action movies, you are going to love the Gaborum series. 
<laughs> that sounds so exciting. And there's so many like one line statements about these mighty men in the Bible. And you, I always wonder about their backstory. What was it like for them, you know, to live their days, you know, just every day, you know, because you hear these one, these little things like Mark Batterson's book, you know, in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. Okay. Well, what was, what was his mindset going into that pit, you know, and it's really cool. You're, you're fleshing out some of the, some of the backstory to some of these uh, mighty men of God that we can really learn a lot from, I believe. Uh, And a side note too, I, I, it was a couple of years ago, I was writing a blog and I, for the first time, I realized that one of David's mighty men was Uriah. And that really hit me because obviously we know the story of Bathsheba and he killed Uriah, but Uriah was one of David's mighty men, which just shows the betrayal was even more so. And they even uh, estimated that he was able to see Bathsheba bathing because Uriah had a major house in the city. And so, uh, I don't know, just a side note that made me think of Mighty Men, but uh, uh, how- So here's, uh, I've studied yeah. that with our, with our director. I, I've stood in a place in Israel where they think that Bathsheba's house was and like mm. where you can look down. And so just w- w- even if that's not, but that's the closest they can think. Yeah. Uh, the only the Mighty Men would be able to be next to David's palace. And the this guy, so the, the, the picture here of with Uriah, he probably had, him and his wife had a table every night at King in King David's palace for probably around 20 years. Wow. That's how close they were with friendship. Even if David wasn't eating, they still had a, a seat at his table in his house. Yeah. And, and that's like, they were really good friends of all the million of men that were fighting. There was only a total of 37, including the three and the 30. And Uriah was one of those. And he had one wife and, and man, and when you think of the complexity and the, the heartache that would come with what David did and that God still used David and Bathsheba to give birth to Solomon and yeah. write some of, I mean, like, it's so cool. So when you flesh those out and you get to the, the details, you see God's unbelievable grace and love. Right. And, and, and he's not ashamed of masculinity. He's not ashamed. I need every man to hear this. He's not ashamed of your struggle with lust. He wants to help you. Mm. He wants to help you. He publicly puts on display Samson's life. <laughs> like yeah. throughout all eternity, we know Samson was a lust filled monster, but did have tenderness somewhere in his heart for the Lord. But yeah. man, he loved prostitutes. Mm. And, and so, I mean, you see that come out and it's men don't ever have to be timid or scared or shameful when they walk into the Lord's presence. Mm. What you've done isn't going to surprise God. He's ready to heal you and, and give you a life that's way more fulfilling. Mm. All right. What a good way to end. Thank you so much, Cody, for coming on. Let everyone know where they can connect with you and get your resources, your books and uh, hold the past movie. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So you can just go to codybobay.com, uh, C-O-D-Y-B-O-B-A-Y.com. You'll see all of the links there. Check out hold the Pass. It's so cool. 23 minutes, intense storytelling from Shamgar. You can see my books, podcasts, our, our new YouTube channel for my life, um, personally, the pursuit of excellence biologically is all there. So uh, yeah, man, Tim, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for your heart and your commitment to wage war for the masculine soul. It's a, it's a war that is full of, man, landmines everywhere and, yeah. and guys that have turned back that shouldn't have. And it's a, it's a messy war. And I thank you for doing it. Thanks for yeah. having me on your podcast. And and, and thank you for connecting. I just encourage you to continue to war with excellence for the masculine soul. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you again for coming on. God bless you, your family and your ministry.
Thank you, brother. Well, thank you again, Cody, so much for coming on. Please connect with his content and his resources in the show notes, as well as ways to support me in the show notes. I put a lot of links in the show notes. I'm going to keep saying show notes. Go to the show notes. I appreciate it. I'm so excited for next week's episode. I talked to Ray Comfort. He's an amazing evangelist with many years of ministry, many books he's authored, and some amazing wisdom he will share with us next week. Keep in mind, you can get this podcast a few days early on Faithful. You can also join the Facebook group, Eyes on Jesus Podcast Community, where I share with you some insights on the episodes, as well as an update on who I interviewed, even if it doesn't air for a few months. So until next week, go with God, grow in discernment, and keep your eyes on Jesus. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information on Discerning Dad, go to discerning-dad.com. Be sure to follow on all the social media platforms. Just search for Discerning Dad. Please share this podcast with a friend and leave an honest review on whichever platform you listen. Feel free to send any comments, suggestions, questions, or prayer requests at discerningdad at outlook.com. Until next time. Keep fighting the good fight.